Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. I want to be a little bit different tonight. I want to touch some more, some thoughtful processes. So if you're not used to thinking, this might hurt you tonight. Uh, I just want to make sure we can get our thoughts and the processes of life pretty much together. I, um, I was challenged because I, I want to become a better me. And I believe most of us who love God want to become a better us. So I've called this a better you. Uh, how do you become a better you in the journey? Uh, and there are so many different ways. And I really want to touch one tonight. And it really is uh, the way we think. Uh, Isaiah 1.8 says in verse 18, Come now, let us reason together says the Lord. That's quite a challenging topic. Uh, the ability to reason. You know, it's a gift God has given us. Uh, and yet, I want to start from the foundational truth that we are massively flawed in our brains uh, as a tool for understanding the universe and life in general. But we do have the advantage of being able to reason. And reason is a gift that needs to be developed it also takes a challenge because we have to be able to turn off some other processes of life which come from the carnal mind. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is desperately wicked above all things, de- de- sorry, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And what that means is from their heart, there are things in there that are messed up that, that actually come up and invade the way we think at times. They actually cause us to respond and to not think clearly. And so I want to look at the challenge of life is, is how do I use the wonderfully God-given ability to reason to override the flaws in our thinking process? How do, I, how do I learn to think properly to captivate the wrong kind of heart thoughts that want to rise up from the past, the hurts, the damage that may have been done, our wrong concepts, things that have been grained in our life. How, how do I use this wonderful gift of reasoning that God has given us to actually start to think properly? And I want to do that by looking at the word argument as part of the journey. Because, see, you can have an argument with somebody or you can have an argument about a situation. It's like... Taking the difference between a person, a critical person, and a person who can think critically. Now, there's a big, very difference between a critical person and someone who can think critically. Thinking critically is being precise and, and sorting through it, but being critical is just picking up people's nit, nitpicking problems. And so we want to look at argument and, and really the purpose of argument. Uh, you know, there, there is a purpose that we have in, in the proper use of argument. See, logic is part of the argument process. And a critical, per, critical thinking person sees an argument as a way to improve the way they think, the way to pro- progress from my current situation, my current viewpoints on life to a better viewpoint, to move from where I am to be a better me. And so I need to use good logic and good arguments. Uh, the trouble is we, we tend to think back to front. We tend to think about what we want to believe and then try and make all the evidence fit what we be- want to believe. It was interesting. I was listening to um, David Sumrall, who's the pastor of Cathedral of Praise in uh, Philippines. Uh, and he was talking about how people get a mindset. And he said, how, how can we think in today's age in the Christian church that women shouldn't be in ministry? 
He says, I, he says, I cannot comprehend how, how the, the, the church today doesn't get it. Uh, Philip had four daughters who prophesied. We have Phoebe, we have Deborah, we have all these women in ministry right through the scriptures. And, and the gospel was first given to a woman to proclaim. So, so we, we, you know, he's going, how do people not get that? And the answer is they've got a viewpoint they want to hold. And they're going to try and make the evidence fit their viewpoint instead of having good critical thinking in their life. And so I want to think properly. And Paul says in Romans 12, uh, 3 to 5, I say to you, verse 3 mainly, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God challenges us to think and to think clearly. Soberly means with clarity. It doesn't mean not drunk. It means with clarity. Now, some, some will take that context because it says don't think more highly. But in the context, sober thinking means clear thinking, not too low either. So it's about moving from where I am to a better location in the way I think. And so I want to move on. There's this dangerous self-righteousness where people choose a Bible interpretation that suits them and then defend it by misusing Scripture. See, a critical thinking person approaches an argument, not an argument between people, but an argument as a, as a structure of discussion, and they value the process of developing the argument to reach a better conclusion. See, when new information comes, we want to take that thought process, and this is not arguing, it's an argument, and take that thought, thought process and proceed to a better conclusion than where we are. And the danger is we live in a world where people will rationalize instead of reason. Listen, they will rationalize instead of reason. See, rationalization is the process of starting with the conclusion and then figuring what arguments agree with you and gathering them together to defend that conclusion. But reasoning and critical thinking in reasoning is the willingness to change any conclusion when better and new information comes and a better argument is presented. So I want to move. And I would say if you, took it, if you looked at me and took messages I preached 30, 40 years ago and compared them to today, there would be hopefully a better argument. Hopefully. I listened to past messages and go, oh, that was terrible. I did listen to my podcast from last week, this week, and I thought, that's pretty good. <laughs> so I thought, that's much better than it was a long time ago. I, I, I want to find what God says, have a bigger revelation that changes perceptions and perspectives in my life so that I'm not standing ground and viciously holding it to make the information fit, but go, God, what are you saying? What do I need to put off? What do I need to put on? How do I need to change? What is a sound argument? Not having one, but what is a sound argument? And see, reasoning focuses on the process of going forward where the conclusion flows from the logic and not the other way around. Listen, you don't make the information fit. You change your life to fit the information. And, and so what happens is often people use the rationalizing process which can sometimes superficially be similar to reasoning. But the point of rationalization is to make sense of our decisions and conclusions and to try and tell ourselves it was a good decision. Who's ever had a, a contention with somebody and after you've gone away, you figured out all the ways you could have won that argument? <laughs> and can I tell you right now, you still wouldn't have won it if you lost it. 
You, you know, well, if I'd said that, well, they would have had a better answer because if they won, they had a better answer. You know, so we can rationalize and say, well, I was still right. Were you? Just a thought. See, see, when we have a conclusion that disagrees with our predetermined conclusion, when the facts oppose or challenge our view, our tendency is to rationalize that new information to make it fit where we are because no one likes to change. No one except the person making the change for other people. No one likes change. So what we have to do is get this new information and resolve this mental disagreement. And if we can marry it to our current situation, we actually think we've done a pretty good job. We pride ourselves on making the information, put that square peg into the round hole we've got. It's not how it's done. We have to have a heart that's open to hear what God says, to be transformed. That's, that's how the scripture works. We have Genesis, Exodus. We have this unfolding revelation of God where the information is increasing constantly. And we find the fulfillment of that revelation in Jesus, which is so different to the religious leaders. And there was this clash, this, these two arguments. One is God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant loving kindness, a God who relents on doing harm to God will judge you if you're wicked. These two, these two things had a contention. And this, they get it wrong because they, they take little passages of Scripture instead of the truth of the love of God, the foundation of the heartbeat of God. And so to avoid getting caught up in wrong processes and conclusions, we need to function on the, focus on the journey, not the location we're in right now. It's not where you are right now that matters. Listen, it's not where you are right now that matters. See, where you are is the result of your past. Does anyone here have a perfect past? No, okay. So where you are now is not perfect. The goal is where do I want to go? Am I going to focus on the process? God, what is it each day that you're going to challenge in my heart that needs to change so I can become a better me? What is it? And so we're, we have to avoid that, that rationalization and get back to reasoning. See, in logic, the term argument is a set of statements to support a conclusion. It's not a conclusion that needs supporting by the arguments we make. It's a set of statements that support a conclusion. And it needs to start with a thing called a premise. It, it, we start somewhere. It, 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 might be an, it might be something as black and white as a fact, or it might be a belief that, that we can back up. But we, we've got to start somewhere. And the premise is where we start our journey. And then we work toward the, the conclusion on that premise an argument starts with this specific premise and logically progresses in life until we arrive somewhere. Well, let me start with a premise. There are two premises. In fact, there are two premises that are pretty simple. They're pretty obvious in the world today. Let me give you them both. One premise, there is no God. Another premise, God is. So we have these two premises which are there. And it's quite challenging the fact that we have two premises that disagree with one another tells me very clearly uh, one of them's wrong. Or maybe both. See, see, that's where we start the discussion. What is the premise and is it sound? Does it, does it have a, a, a logical journey? Does it bring me to where I need to go? So I need to discuss that point. Is there a God or not? 
See, a premise is that starting fact or assumption that we take at the beginning of any specific argument. If the premise is false, then the argument that is based upon upon that premise is not sound. So it's important to examine the premises of our life and to recognize what our argument actually is based upon and if it's good or not. And assumptions are okay to use, but we need to be able to back them up because sometimes all you have is two assumptions to start from. Then you've got to figure out which assumption is the best assumption, which one is most viable, which one is, which one is more likely to be the truth. It's not an established fact because, look, they say prove God. The only way to prove God to someone is for that person personally to have an encounter with God. Outside of that, there's no way to prove God. You, you can't go, I've got a piece of God, here it is, proofs. You know, you can't do that. And they can't disprove. So we have these two statements, they disagree. And two mutually exclusive conclusions can't both be correct. And so the goal is to examine both arguments, to find out where the assumptions are, where the false premises are, what are the errors in the logic. And if you can work to discover errors and assumptions, then you should be able to resolve the differences and come to a better conclusion. This is just one point. You can take this principle and apply it to the whole of life. How do, I, how do I resolve the information? How do I look at the points? How do I grab the principles? Instead of having a fight, we do this in marriage counseling. Point one in a marriage counseling course is when you are having a disagreement, with some emotion involved, point one is stop, make an appointment. Go away and think about what you're saying and how you contribute to the problem, not how he or she does. So that we actually come back to the table and instead of using rationalization, well, if you did that, I wouldn't have done that. No, no, no. Why did you respond like that anyway? You know, so, so instead of rationalizing, let's step back and reason according to the word of God, according to the principles of God. Let's find a reason or a logic behind our discussions. And if we did that, we'd have a lot less fights, a lot less domestic violence. But people are so immature, they want to rationalize and excuse their conduct. They want to hold their viewpoint without growth. We want to examine these things. And an argument is sound when all the premises are true and the logic is valid. See, the conclusion of a sound argument must be by true be definition. So if my argument is true and all my basics, my foundations are true, then the conclusion is true. I would suggest to you that the conclusion that there is a God and he is God is a true conclusion based upon truth and a good argument and sound logic. Now, some people would disagree and then we would have to evaluate those viewpoints. See, the goal of an argument between two people is not who wins. The goal of an argument is to uncover the assumptions and false premises and errors in logic. That's the Jewish philosophy. It's not how smart you are with an answer. It's how good are your questions. How good are your questions about the circumstance? See, Jesus astounded them with his questions. He amazed them. He gave them questions. They stumbled to answer at 12. His questions were powerful because they challenged assumptions. And we need to be aware. There are reasons, ways that people consider things. And let me give you three of them. One is a thing called deductive reasoning. I know this is like a TED talk. Deductive reasoning, it's, it's using premises to connect to a conclusion. In other words, I have a general specific I am saying, which is overarching. I'm saying God is. 
God is, therefore, because God is. So we start with a general statement and then we bring it back to specifics. Because God is, I can trust him. Because God is loving, I know he's merciful. Because God is gracious, I know he restores. Because God is God, I know he's everlasting. He he knows everything. Because God is, I have a whole bunch of things that I know. And I, I can bring this general back to specific examples. Let me give you one. All men are mortal is a general comment. Second comment, I am a man. Conclusion, I will die. Pretty simple, isn't it? But if we were to say all men are not mortal, only some of them die, all you have to do is prove and find someone who hasn't hasn't died. Ever. 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 I just just thought I'd let you know, even Jesus died. Just a thought. Yes, he rose again, but he died. So all, all humanity is mortal. It's a general statement, but specific as well. The truth is, if all men are mortal, then I am mortal, I will die. It's a truth. It's a specific gain from a general. The, the, other, the, the, the journey is this. Sometimes we have a thing called subjective reasoning. Let me give you some subjective reasoning. It's only the King James Version of the Bible we should use. It's the most accurate. No, 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 no. That's like saying Mozart's better than Beethoven. <laughs> it's subjective. If you grew up with the King James and you love the, the poetic, the, the flow of the rhythmic style of the old English of these and thous and hitherto's and wherefores, that, and you go, oh, the King James is just so beautiful. Other people go, what? It's just confusing. <laughs> Give me the passion translation or, or the message or the NIV. That's subjective. What you, which version you think is better is subjective. And you know what? You are right for you. That's subjective reasoning. But that's no good for a general principle. So forget about subjective reasoning in any kind of logic or argument. It's not worth it. So deductive reasoning. If we take a general, we may find the specifics from it. The other one, which is a little bit different is inductive reasoning. Whereas someone takes a little specific, something small, and then makes an overarching comment. Let me me give you one. There were these finches on the islands in Galapagos. And some of them had small beaks on an island. Others had bigger beaks. And others had bigger beaks. And they must have all evolved with new DNA. No, they didn't. They were just birds, all the same kind on an island. Some died out because they couldn't get to the food because their beaks were too long. Others' longer beaks were a hindrance and they got caught by the predators. See, to take that one example of these finches, Darwin's finches, and say they evolved into this is an assumption that we take inductive reasoning. We take a little thought that fits our pattern and we make it a doctrine. We, see, that's the wrong way to have a good argument. Inductive reasoning does not work. It's like saying, all birds fly because I saw a bird fly. But that's, that's inductive reasoning. All birds fly because I saw a bird fly. All you have to do is find a bird that doesn't fly. 
And I would call it an emu. Americans would call it emu, whatever. It's just a bird that doesn't fly. And it disproves the inductive process from one example to make it a broad arching process. And we Christians do it with Scripture. They find one verse that says one thing and they make it a doctrine. That's not sound. That's illogical. I mean, as I've shared many times, Proverbs has two verses side by side. Rebuke a fool lest he think himself wise. Don't rebuke a fool lest you look stupid. Which one is correct? See, see, that's the, that's the illogical type of inductive reasoning that Christians take. So often they'll take a verse, women be silent in the church. That's not what it says. The word is actually wives, not women to start with. So straight away, there's an inductive process that's wrong. It's not logical. When you start being inductive, we need to be deductive. We need to read out what it says, not read into it what we want. There's a theological term is exegesis and eisegesis. It's reading something in because we want it there. I want to make sure that as Christians, if I want to become a better me, I have to get rid of the subjective and inductive reasoning that runs my life. You can have it, but it should not be a foundation for your life. You might, you might like a certain style of music. You might not like a, a dark walled church. It's not black. The curtains are black and it's a very different color. But you might, you might like it. You might not. That's got nothing to do because most people who really worship in God close their eyes. And can you tell what color the walls are? Just a thought. I mean, see, that's inductive. This isn't God. What? Subjective. Inductive. It's black. Well, so are my trousers and my shoes. Yeah, I could preach in a white church, but if I've got black shoes on, that's just not God. I need to have a white suit with white shoes like the day I got married, you know. <laughs> See, we can, if we look at inductive reasoning, it's easy to prove it wrong. You just have to find something that's untrue about it. If we have deductive reasoning, it doesn't bother us if things change because we continue to deduce. We continue to grow into a better me because my heart's open to growth. My heart's open to change. It may be painful, but I'm open to change and transformation. And if I'm going to be transformed, I have to move from here somewhere. I don't want to stay parked where I am. It's the last thing I want. I want to become a better me. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I want my wife to think I'm a better husband today than yesterday. Hopefully tomorrow she'll think I'm even better. So let's come back a little bit to our God thought. If a statement purportedly as fact has to be constantly changed, then we have to question the conclusion. Listen, if a statement that purports to be true has to be constantly changed, we need to question the conclusion. Is the conclusion static or is the conclusion open to growth? So before we come back to God or no God, there's one more thing I want to touch on. It's called logical fallacy. 
logical fallacy. It's the argument it might be true, but the conclusion is wrong. Listen, it sounds logical, but it's wrong. And one of the most obvious ways this is found is in two areas. One is the mirror of the other. One is if someone with a qualification says it, it must be right. And if someone without the qualification says it, it must be wrong. See, that's a logical fallacy. A guy called Alfred Tusky, in Introduction to the Logic, published firstly in Polish in 1936, said this. The title says, Beware the Nobel Laureate, Argument from Authority. What he's saying is this. Just because someone has a piece of paper saying they know what they're talking about doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. They can be just as wrong as anyone else. It's something Ben Shapiro often says. says, Look, I don't care about the qualification. He said, Is my argument sound? Is my argument sound? Is my argument for God sound? Is my argument for the way I live sound? And I don't want to throw stuff out because someone hasn't got a piece of paper. I know plenty of places that will employ someone with experience over someone with a piece of paper. They go, you know, you've got a piece of paper, you don't know what you're doing. We used to call them engines ears, not engineers. You know, they come out of uni and they've got all these qualifications. There was a situation in Charters Towers years ago when I was a technician in telecom. And this young engineer had come out with a qualification. Now, please, engineers are quite good. Some of them are brilliant. And I'm not running down engineers, just there is this stereotype. And, and these linesmen who'd been working on the lines between Charters Towers and Townsville for years, they're in a pit with several lead-cased cables with thousands of wires in them. And the engineer said, cut that one, we don't need it there. And the linesman said, you can't do that, it's the main junction. He said, no, it's not, cut it. So the linesman cut it. Within about 20 seconds, phones, mobile phones, radios are going crazy. And what it meant was the linesman then had about 40 hours of overtime putting it back together on double pay and triple pay and meal allowances and everything. you know, Because the guy with the experience didn't have the piece of paper, didn't have the qualification, the authority level, but he knew what he was talking about. I only use that because it's an example I know of. And it doesn't involve me. I was a technician. I was in the middle. Um, <laughs> the point is, people often listen to people who have some kind of fame as if they have authority about what they're talking about. It's like actors making political statements. They get up and they go, we need more transparency in government. I go, hang on, your profession qualifies you to hide your life and pretend to be somebody else. So your only claim to fame is you can be non-transparent and you want everyone else to be transparent. I'm sorry, your fame gives you no qualification as far as I'm concerned. I will listen to your argument to see if it's sound or not. All these, politi- all, all these famous American actors who said if Donald Trump got in, they would leave the country. I don't see him anywhere. I don't see him going to Venezuela because they all want to be socialist. I don't see him going to Russia because they all want to be under communism. They're still staying in America. I'm sorry. You lied to us all. You call for transparency and then you lied to us. Well, that's what you're qualified to do. Act. Beware the person who claims his authority based upon his position and not the quality of the argument. 
Ecclesiastes says this, and I love this. This Solomon, wise man, he says, One day, as I was observing how wisdom fares on the earth, I saw something that made me sit up and take notice. It was a small town with only a few people in it. A strong king came against it, mounted an attack, building trenches and attack posts around it. There was a poor man in that town whose wisdom saved the town. But he was forgotten promptly. He was only a poor man after all. The wise poor man was treated with contempt and soon forgotten. I wonder how easily we of this country, this great country, forget what wisdom and from whom that wisdom came to cause this nation to be one of the nations that people want to come to when they're in trouble. Want to be one of the nations where people would try any means and every means to get here. How easily we've forgotten the foundations that made this land a great land. At the end of the day, if if there's no poor man's wisdom that's accepted in a town, a city or a nation, the enemies will take it. If this nation forgets that the foundation of this land is Christendom and Christianity, that's what makes this great south land of the Holy Ghost, this great south land. And if we forget the wisdom that was given by the poor, the wisdom was brought by men and women of God who in today's society are, are contemptible, who the world rejects because they will claim all sorts of things against us to disqualify the wisdom we have. In a month's time, we're going we're gonna to have meetings just over a month and we will have this phrase, lest we forget. And so we should have those meetings We need to remember that we are free today because men and women who don't know us and never knew us and many who would never even know us gave their lives on on the battlefield to keep us freedom. And so people want to get up and they don't want to sing at a sports event. They don't want to get involved in the national anthem because they've got this protest against the nation that formed them, that saved them. This would not be Australia had people who love God not put their lives on the line. I don't care what your philosophy or background is. You can be indigenous, you can be whatever you like, but this is a land that has a foundation. We ought to honour those who've come before us. I don't hear people getting up in arms going, we should sing God Save the Queen. We had that argument and those who wanted that lost. This is the great Southland. Proverbs 22 tells me to remember the foundations because if the foundations are destroyed, society will fall. See, we allow logical fallacies to rule our reasoning and we end up rationalizing. So back to God. To prove there is no God is quite simple. Listen, to prove there is no God is actually quite simple. See, see, what people want to do is throw it back on us to prove there is a God. And that's quite easy, actually. But logically, to prove there is no God, it's very simple as well. All you have to do is know everything about everything, all the time, everywhere, at the same time, for all time, to prove there is no God. So, so ultimately, there's only one person qualified to actually make that statement of truth, or to make that statement true. The only person qualified to say there is no God is God. See, that, that's a logical fallacy when people say 
prove there's no prove there's a God. I go, no, no, no. I can do that quite easily. But you show me logically how there is no God. Because you certainly don't know everything. The amount of information we know in this world, the smartest people all put together know this much about everything there is to be known. Do you realize the DNA in your body would make a book, I don't know, bigger than the Encyclopedia Britannica just for one cell? The chances of that happening by chance is zero. Zero. There's no one who could prove there is no God. So the only reason I need to have now is an argument that says, well, if there's a God, how do I prove him? Well, I just need examples of the actions of God. See, we have a history of Israel and of Jesus, of Christianity from the foundation to the current time. We have the experience of millions of Christians, the witnesses of current believers, those who die for their belief in him, and especially the first apostles who died for their faith. And if it was a lie, they saw Jesus. They would not die. Not all of them. They would not die without giving up the truth. And they died because they did not have to give up a negative. They did not have to deny the faith because it was true. And it's illogical to think that they would all be willing to die a martyr's death for something they knew was a lie. On top of that, we have numerous personal testimonies of miracles, of healings, of resurrections from the dead. We look at creation and intricate design that is impossible to happen by accident. We look at the step between inanimate material to living matter. There is no way to explain that. How did something not living become something that was living? You don't have enough time. Four and a half billion years is nowhere near enough time mathematically to have any sort of chance. In fact, there is zero possibility of that happening the only way anyone could ever question God's existence is by inductive or subjective reasoning and basing that upon logical fallacies that's why I started this message with this passage if you want to become a better you come now let us reason together says the Lord Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I don't know if you think about that passage, but in the context of my message, it's irrational that we could have our sins washed away and cleansed. See, rationale says you have to make up for what you've done wrong. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We have to make up for what's done wrong. See, rationale says one needs one, two needs two. Rationale says that, that you can work hard enough to make yourself right. Nothing personal. I, I, once something is imperfect, you can no longer make it perfect. You can't do this balancing act, it doesn't work. It's irrational to think that somehow we can do enough. It's a logical fallacy because it's impossible to be perfect. And God's way is something different. God's way is that somebody who is perfect, Jesus, took our place. See, that's not rational. Jesus said the greatest love a man can have is to give his life for a friend. We were enemies of God. Listen, we were enemies of God. It's irrational 
that God, who we were enemies of, would come and die for us to pay for our sin. That's irrational. It's a logical solution. And it's, and it's a reasonable solution. But it's irrational to die for enemies, especially when you know heaps of them are going to reject it. Come on. That's irrational in the natural sense. But it is logical and it is reasonable. I'd like the musicians and singers to come. See, I can become a better me. But it is about captivating my thinking. It's about being willing to change. It's about being willing to let go of past philosophies and conclusions. To my shame, when I was much younger, and ladies, you will be horrified at this, I used to believe, a long time ago now, that God would only use a woman if he couldn't find a man. Remember, I was young and stupid. Now I'm just old and silly. What a, what, a, what a arrogant, foolish, chauvinistic viewpoint that was. But then God revealed things to me as I grew and as I developed. And I realized God will use anyone who's willing and able. God will use men and women, women and men. God will use anyone who will say, here I am, God, pick me. Whoever he calls male or female, whoever, and, and, and anyone, even sinners, he says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's written there very clearly. There's no free or bond, no male, female. There's, there's no rich or poor. There's no boss or employee. We are all one in Christ. I've changed my view so dramatically. I hate that viewpoint. I had to stop and think logically. That was an illogical and irrational point of view, but I was defending it. How foolish I was. And even today, I go, some of the things I believe today, I reckon 10 years down the track, I'm probably going to think a bit differently. And if, not, if I'm not open to that growth and that change, I will go away and stop thinking with reasoning and I'll start to rationalize my viewpoint. See, at the end of the day, it seems irrational that we could have our sins washed away, but they have been done. I want to make sure that my conclusions are based on sound logic. This is sound logic. I want my arguments to be both true in their foundation and valid in their logic so that my conclusion will be true. See, when we come and reason and see what God says, we have the right foundation. We have a valid logic. And therefore, the only reasonable conclusion of, is, that our, is that the end result is sound and true. Can, can I just say this? It's both illogical and unreasonable and even irrational to reject Jesus. Listen, it's illogical and unreasonable and even irrational to reject Jesus. If there is no heaven and earth, and I just keep loving Jesus. And there is no eternity. We just all die. I have a great bunch of friends I'm doing life with. I have a heart for people 
There's something that fills my life with purpose and meaning. And if that's all there is, I actually lose nothing. But if there is an eternity, I gain everything. But those who reject Jesus lose it all. For the sake of 70 or 80 years, they lose forever. That's irrational. It's not a condemnation. It's just a logical argument. You know what? God won't force us though. And this is the reasonableness of God. He gives us free will. And just as Joshua said to the people of Israel, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choosing Jesus is the most logical, rational, reasonable perspective. It may not be popular. It will not be easy. But accepting Jesus as Lord of your life and Savior of your soul is wise, reasonable, logical, and sound. And we need not be ashamed of it. We need not be at the mercy of people who come to us with subjective and inductive reasoning because we have a faith in a living God who is, is always, has been, will be, and has our eternity in His hand.